From branch transformation to cash management solutions, Hyosung offers a variety of ways for businesses to grow and be successful. With the goal of inspiring growth and changing the industry, Hyosung is leading a transformational revolution that will inspire the consumer experience worldwide. Sit back and unwind. You're listening to Inspired Banking, a podcast brought to you by Hyosung America. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inspired Banking, a Hyosung podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show as we explore larger trends and technologies in the banking industry. Before we get into the meat of the episode, I want to make sure you're getting all the Hyosung content you desire. So make sure you're heading to our website, hyosungamericas.com. Again, hyosungamericas with an S. Dot com and subscribe to Inspired Banking on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where you'll find audio versions of our episodes. And on our website, you'll find a full catalog of video episodes as well. Well, it's good to be back in the studio with Hyosung. And on today's episode of the show, we're going to be breaking down the evolution of self-service tools in banking. But more specifically, we're going to break down how they play into a larger strategy for banking automation and which technologies are proving to be the most beneficial for not only the end user's self-service experience, uh, but for a bank's operations as well. And really connecting the dots on how those two don't have to be different strategies. They, in fact, can be very synergized. And the last almost two years, if we had to just give some more context, have had a really significant impact on the validation of a frictionless banking experience. I'll throw some stats your way because I know you're itching for some, but a Deloitte report from last year found that about 35% of customers increased their usage of online banking services during the pandemic. Now, on top of that, seeking to differentiate and deliver on that unique experience for the end user, we saw banks like, for example, Associated Credit Union, who were in trial phases for interactive teller machines, uh, increase their number of machines during the pandemic. Other banks like Capital City Bank increased their elevated self-service ATMs by more than 30% in a single month during the pandemic. So if anything, it just really shows that this last 18 months to two years has really put this back into focus and validated a lot of technologies and approaches and processes for a more frictionless banking experience. So we wanted to pose the question, how can we take some of these trends and get to the why, right? The big picture why of what is actually making new self-service integrations appealing and useful to users and banks alike. And how can we turn that fervor into an actionable technology and investment strategy? Well, uh, for insights today, we're joined back in the studio by Mr. Bill Buddy, who we had the pleasure of chatting with last time we were in the studio. And Bill is the Vice President of Banking Strategy and solutions for Hyosung. Bill, great to have you on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's great to be back in studio. Great to be, uh, you know, digging a little deeper into some topics that we touched on in the last episode. So I do want to recommend folks listen to that last episode and get some of Bill's higher level insights on uh, some of the trends in self-service. But we're going to dig deeper. We're going to talk tech. And I want to start by refreshing our audience on your background a bit. So, uh, Bill, your role at Hyosung, you develop and manage uh, automation solutions specifically for the banking industry. And then prior to that, you spent 12 years at Chase, most in their ATM and branch innovation business unit. Just to recap your own background to you, right? Uh, but uh, during that time, I'm curious, how have you seen 
the self-service aspect of banking, so features, and then more specifically for ATMs, how have you seen that evolve and to what effect? Yeah, well, so the that's a good question. I mean, the, the last few years has really seen a lot of advancements in technology for banking. And you mentioned um, online banking is, is just huge uptake. It's very convenient. It allows customers to um, bank from their homes, bank where they want. Right. Um, and, and that that does a lot for banks from a customer service standpoint, as well as uh, from a customer satisfaction standpoint. Um, but there's still a, a whole element of consumer banking that is involves physical fulfillment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and we talked a lot last time about the, those little pieces of paper with green ink on them that's gotta go back and forth between customers yeah. and banks and retailers and, and things like that. And that take, there's some physicality there and you still have checks in the market the market that uh, while you can scan checks in with mobile apps, there's a lot of risk rules associated with how big those checks can be. Um, so the, and the larger ones, you're gonna also need to do in-person style banking there to physically fulfill. So um, to complement a lot of the online functions that have proliferated over the last decade or so, um, there's, there's been a lot of kind of physical fulfillment tools that have come up. I mean, up until about 10 years ago, banks were really operating the same way that George Bailey did when he was operating Bedford Falls Building and Loan, right? Yeah. It, it hadn't changed a lot. The processes were the same, the tellers were the same, the bankers were the same, and you walked into a bank and you did what you needed to do and you left. And and verticals all around banking were continually modernizing and, and banking kind of caught up in the last few years. But in addition to the ATMs, which were kind of the first kind of piece of physical automation, uh, a lot of a lot of tools have kind of sprung up in the last few years that have really kind of broadened the ability for banks to provide self-service functions in a physical manner, adding uh, capabilities onto that ATM to really diversify transactions you can do, sure. to really kind of allow customers access to everything they need to have access to, regardless of the hours of the uh, of the day. And, and when you complement it with things like video capabilities, uh, it, it really adds an, another element of you can ha- have assisted service style banking as well from a physical perspective that requires just a little bit of help, but still the rest of it can be automated. Sure. Um, so there, there's been a, a lot of change over the last few years that has, has really kind of changed the way banks operate, the way customers actually bank, the way banks build their branches in, in order to, uh, to, to better serve their customers. Uh, sometimes smaller locations that can fit in, in a lot more uh, a lot more different types of real estate. So it gets uh, access to a lot different places than it would have in the past. So yeah. um, it, it's it's pretty broad range of changes that have that, that that's really entailed, right? Yeah. So while you were doing work at large financial institutions, what was your work like uh, again the last, actually how long was it before you transitioned over to Hyosung? About two and a half years. Okay, cool. So still relatively recently that you made that shift. So in those 12 years you were at larger banks, what work did you do specifically on improving self-service functionality? And what was their approach, those banks' approach to new integrations? Uh, How did they weigh those new investments and utility? And what can we learn from that? Sure. Uh, That's a great question. So, you know, ATMs were invented back in like the late 60s, right? So they'd been around for a while and for the longest time they were essentially cash vending machines. It's really kind of all you could do. And banks use those to give access to cash for their customers, but then anything beyond that, banks would force you to walk into the branch during their hours and do what you needed, whether pay a mortgage or make a deposit or open a new account or what have you, right? Anything from an easy thing to a more complex interaction, it all had to kind of 
happened through that normal standard in-person process. And the kind of the, the quick, easy transactions or sometimes even the um, timely but straightforward transactions that involved a lot of money or involved a lot of pieces of paper going back and forth, mm-hmm. took up a lot of time from an employee perspective to actually do it. And also because it was very manually intensive, it was prone to errors, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, as uh, one of the one of the things that really kind of made ATMs spe- uh, a lot more useful is to, when they added deposit automation functionality, oh, when they could take yeah. images of checks and they could validate the money right when it was deposited. And that really kind of opened up the door when we were working on them to uh, drive a lot of the straightforward, simple transactions that we traditionally had forced employees to have to process in a manually intensive and paper intensive process gave us a channel to do it in an automated fashion. And with traditional form factor ATMs, that was a, a great first step through your drive up ATM or through the through the wall ATM that was sitting in the front of the branch. But there were still a lot of customers that would just come into the branch out of habit or maybe out of, uh, because they, they didn't weren't familiar with the technology, so they didn't know how to use it and they didn't want to make a mistake. So they wanted you know to make sure things were gonna go smoothly, what have you. And our, you know, at first you think, well, let's put an ATM inside the branch too and let them transact there. Well, those customers that were walking in the branch, they had driven past that drive up ATM and chosen not to use it. Right. And they parked their car and they walked past that through the wall ATM and chosen not to use it. So we didn't want to confront customers with a choice that said, oh, hey, you just chose no twice in a row, but we're gonna force you to stay yes now. Right, right. Um, so we, the, the customer experience was a big first step, right? Yeah. Create something inside the branch that didn't look like an ATM, but could solve a lot of those transactions and, and automate them in a in a very kind of straightforward and intuitive way. Sure. And then don't even call it an ATM either, right? Yeah. You know, I need to make a deposit. Oh, okay, thank you. This is how we do deposits inside our branch now. Mm. Walk them over, teach them how to use right. it. It's not a separate function That's or a, right. an alternative function. It's this the is, function, right, the, this is how the branch. Do. Yes. Interesting. Um, and and it offered one comfort and a, a sense of, you know, things were going to go right because there were still employees there to help them. Right. The employees just weren't having to count pieces of paper. The employees were interacting with the customers and right. building relationships and helping educate them so that the offshoot was now they customers would know how to do it. Maybe they would choose to, to use the one in the drive up lane or in the through the wall spot in the future because now they're comfortable with it. If they still want to come into the branch, there's still an automated way to do it mm-hmm. that has employees around that could help them with other service needs, but we're not relying on spending the employee's time to do things that really aren't value add, like counting the money and like sorting the money and like reconciling the money. Right. So that was that was one of the big steps that really kind of then pushed a, a change in the way you operate your branch, right? Sure. You don't have to spend so much time reconciling and counting and and on purely operational non-value added tasks. And you can really refocus that time on, okay, how do I build relationships? How do I, how do I ensure that the customers are getting exactly what they need and, and the best service they can get so that, you know, you're, uh, they're leaving there saying, I, I never want to bank with anybody else again, because this place provides me with not just all the transactions I need, but makes me feel like, uh, you know, I belong there, right? So then do you find that those motivators that pushed those banks to try these new technologies and to implement them in that really integrated and sort of education-focused way that, uh, you know, no, this is just how we bank now. Enjoy a customer because this is going to be a better experience for you anyways. Do you find that that is still the same motivator now or has that slightly tweaked because of 
maybe the last two years of pandemic uh, the punches to the industry. What are your thoughts? So actually, yeah, that's a great insight. I mean, there, there's, the base motivator is still there. Right? Sure. Um, running your, you know, running your branch network as efficiently as possible, um, not spending time on tasks that aren't adding value to the organization. Um, that's still a big motivator. And it was, you know, it, it's a big investment. So it has to be the you have to make a decision to do it. And then you have to embark on that journey to make it happen. Um, but and Chase was one of the early ones to do that. They made that decision. They embarked on that journey and they made it happen. And now a lot more banks are doing it, too, because that that motivator is still there. The last 18 months, though, have heightened a couple of different motivators as well. Right. And one of them, it happens to be you know, your, your channel resiliency, yeah. right? What banks found out in March of 2020 was that when you take away the ability for customers to walk into their branches, sometimes they don't have an alternative if they need physical fulfillment. They have all their online banking capabilities that are still there, but that physical fulfillment channel sometimes was lacking because it, it only had the basic capabilities at that point ramping up and providing that physical fulfillment set of capabilities in a, in a broad sense in that automated channel now provides you with some operational resiliency. Um, so that's been a big one that all verticals associated with it. Restaurants did it, you know, retailers did it where they had to add the ability to physically fulfill in non-traditional channels like curbside pickup and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, banks are going through that process too, and they're finding value in that. Right. Um, and then customer access also has become customer access and customer satisfaction is not right, the, not quite the right word, but really customer relationship sure. um, has become super important over the last eighteen months as well. Right. It's it's something that has driven a significant amount of business providing your customers exactly uh, what they need and, and a way to do business with you in exactly the way that they want to do it as opposed to the way you want them to do it. Mm. Um, really drives that loyalty. That, that businesses of all verticals are really looking for. Totally. Yeah, and I, I think that is not gonna change necessarily because COVID is going away or we've you know adapted to whatever this new reality is, but I, I have a feeling that those new motivators are just gonna continue to compound with the old ones and uh, you know I guess synthesize into something new and something that centers that customer experience and operational efficiency at the core of it. Well, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, yeah. what's that old saying about taking three weeks to form a new habit? Well, yeah, it's been a right. lot longer than three weeks. So uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is not just some habit that's going to go away in a in a snap of a finger. Right? It's, it's now kind of a new model. It's a new habit and customers now have kind of changed expectations. I, right. I think it, if anything, it's going to continue on. It's not going to be something that's not permanent. Right. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> going back to the old ways might almost feel even more disruptive. It's like, well, we got used to this version now. Right. Like, why, why are you taking us back to the old way now? No, I, I, I get that for sure. Let's talk uh, big picture wise then, right? WH wise uh, for implementing automated, frictionless, and again, experience-led self-service technologies for ATMs and banking services. So basically what I wanna do is go down the line on a few different sure. big picture whys and get your thoughts on how these are, uh, you know, just playing a piece of the puzzle because no one of these is like the only strategy, uh, but where you see the importance for this specific motivator. So we'll start with operational efficiency. This is a big one. Uh, what's been the impact of self-service on bank operations and how is that, I guess, validating these investments for uh, bank chains? That's generally where kind of the business case starts yeah. because that's the dollars and cents part of it, right? 
operational efficiency. It, it, the operational efficiency that it drives is that it takes out a lot of that the non-value added tasks that used to have to be done. And it, it's kind of there in the description, right? If it's a non-value added task, you're spending time doing something that doesn't add to the bottom line, doesn't add value, right? Right. So when you can take those tasks out, now you're spending less time doing operational tasks in your branch network, um, which means you are significantly more efficient. And right? all of those tasks, they, you know, when they're operational tasks, they all have to have a process-driven. Um, you have to have a, you have to have documented processes. You have to have training around those processes. You have to have management of the processes to ensure that they're being done consistently. You have to have auditing of the processes. Um, the more of those that you can kind of peel away. Um, the more not only are your individual branches going to be then run more efficient at a, at a lower cost structure, but your centralized organization is also going to be more efficient because there's fewer of those processes to have to oversee and fewer of those processes to have to, to manage and monitor and audit. Um, so that's where you know the, the business case engine for deciding to make the investment really kind of starts to play out. So adding up all those dollars and cents. You have X number of branches that now save Y number of hours per week times X number of dollars per hour. And then you have, you know, X number of, of processes that don't have to be managed centrally that required Y number of people to manage those processes that now you kind of add all of those dollars up and say, oh, the investment would take this to do it. And the savings operationally is this once we do it. Now it makes sense. Now let's talk about all the other whys too. But the first, if you can't make the dollars and cents work, then it, it becomes difficult. It's a pretty straight path to make those dollars and cents work. And that really becomes the first hurdle and really becomes the first kind of convincing factor to get to get banks to say, this is, this is really how I want to chart my course to the future. Yeah. Now another big picture why for why banks are trying and innovating around new self-service technologies is I think to enable some branch transformation. And I think this is another sort of chicken and egg scenario in that the technologies themselves allow for branch transformation. And then as that gets validated, other branches want to transform with the methods that worked, right? So it's sort of a self-validating process. But I'm curious what types of innovative branch models or structures, uh, you know, not the literal structure, but the operational structure, uh, how those operating models are seeing success, which ones do you see? seeing the most success and how does self-service play a role in uh, enabling some of these more innovative branch models? Well, when you really start to push the envelope around uh, transaction efficiency and transaction processing efficiency in your branch locations, you can you, you start to eliminate the times or reduce the times that your employees have to touch cash. Yeah which every touch is counts and reconciliations and all that stuff. Getting to the extreme end is getting to the point where you're not just reducing the number of times they have to touch cash, but you're completely eliminating them touching mm. cash. And the only time that, that cash moves is in an automated, monitored, systematic device that can count it and sort it and store it and reconcile it itself automatically. And so when you get to that outer edge, you're peeling all of those tasks out. Now you can, you can eliminate entire functions um, of things that, again, have processes around them that need to be monitored and need to be audited and all that kind of stuff. And that gets to then kind of that extreme end of efficiency. And when you do that, it's not just the processes that go away, but it's also the space that it takes to do that goes away. Um, and the, even the space in front of the customer that you have to do that in front of them goes away. And now you don't have the need for those kind of 
big barriers between employee and customer. You don't have the need for like the big counters that hold teller drawers full of cash and different slots. You don't have the need for those anymore. You don't have a need for like a, a big, huge vault room and accounting table and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you can then better use that space for other things, whether it's uh, um, banking discussions, like, you know, consultative discussions, whether it's sh shrinking the size of the branch so that it can, you know, fit in a smaller plot of land, especially as a bank tries to go into like a new uh, geographic area. Um, in a traditional banking model, you're talking about 3,000, 4,000 square foot buildings and large parking lots. There's only so many of those spots available in a already populated city. And it makes it hard for a bank to enter that city. But now if you've opened it up and say, okay, I can, I can actually fit on a thousand square foot plot of land or a thousand square foot building on a smaller plot of land. Well, now you've opened up all the different, a, a bunch of new possibilities for places where you can start to place your flag in that location and really start to build your customer base. So um, it really kind of changes the way you think about how you build your branches and how you, where you build your branches and it gives you more optionality around that. Um, and it gives you a lot more optionality around the inside part of the branch too, how customers flow through the branch and the cues you give them to go where they need to go, whether it's the tiling on the floor that kind of you know encourages customers to go towards a self-service device to do their transactions or whether it's the lighting or what have you. You're really kind of thinking through all those options that help one, you know, make it a very intuitive, easy, you know, path for customers when they walk in the door to know instantly what they need to do when they get in the door. And two, get the desired outcomes from both your customers and your employees about how they how they are, are driving all the processes that still exist in that branch today. Sure. Now another aspect of I guess this um, this innovation to the branch model also comes from branch variation. And that's another why that I think is validating self-service implementations. Uh, what that looks like, I guess, is, uh, you know, each branch within a bank. So, you know, let's say each different Chase branch, depending on where, uh, you know, what, what their demographics are, where they're based out of, and what the core goal in operations for that branch is, can change. And they can be literally laid out to feel and look differently based on their desired outcome, how they want to interface with their end user. So thoughts there, how do you see that variation of the branch and sort of allowing there to be not just sort of a monolith of a branch style? Um, how is that uh, being supported by self-service technologies today? Well, yeah, I mean, that that's uh, one of the, the kind of really great benefits of having some of that technology. Sure. Um, I was kind of talking about getting all the way to the end of that, never touch the cash spectrum. That's hard to do. It, yeah. It's possible, but it's hard to do. It's incrementally easier to not get all the way there, right? So if you don't get all the way there, but you have most of the way there, now you can start to think about, well, I'm going to design a couple of smaller footprint branches that maybe that the rest of the way there part, I can just not offer those functions because they're very small niche, not not high volumes, whatever, at a location which really kind of frees you up then to you know design the branch around the consultative experience as opposed to around the teller line, which traditional mm -hmm. branks have always been designed around. 
um, and then have a cent more central location that has your more traditional layout um, that covers the 100% and still has some automation tools in there to get some efficiencies, but we'll have some of those residual processes there to account for, you know, all the things on the low volume end of the spectrum, like, you know, redeeming savings bonds or, right, you know, issuing a cashier's check and all that right. kind of stuff that can be a little bit more difficult to, to try to fully automate as well as having the ability to have, you know, cash for transactions that are a little non-standard, like accepting, you know, potentially a mortgage payment or paying your bills in cash or, or that kind of things that uh, makes it a little bit tougher to uh, fully automate in, a, in your first few steps towards that automation goal. So um, it kind of frees up banks to do, you know, full service style branches and, you know, maybe kind of, you know, branches that have like maybe kind of what, what, like express style branches that yeah, might right. be like good for almost everything you need to do. And then maybe even consultative style branches that aren't really designed to process a ton of transactions can fulfill the basic stuff when they need, but really designed to have like investment experts or mortgage bankers or what have you and, and can service those things really well. Um, better than a traditional branch could because you can, you know, uh, staff them differently and, and they can be really focused on that style of business and still have some level of transactional capability as well. So you can, you can specialize based on how you want to, um, how you really want to compete in that market. For yeah. Instance. Yeah. And I feel like that is like a multi-pronged approach of it both uh, allows for more intentional utilization of resources. Like you said, like the bank can deploy and invest in employees for specific functions for specific branches. And I assume that means, you know, better operational efficiency, again, like just less cost or at least more focused and directed cost. Uh, but then also the customer gets to feel like, oh, this bank launched these branches with intention. Each one has a purpose. And I go to the one that fulfills my need immediately, right? And I think that just creates this soft validation of trust and intention that self-service technology has also been, I guess, giving to the customer experience and has been helping elevate the customer experience. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that, that you make those connections because I, I see them there as well. Um, I guess playing off of that, our last big picture why, and I think we've sort of already touched on this, but I just want to give you a chance to focus on it specifically, is customer access and just Self-service allows for more varied, dynamic customer access touch points. And so I'm curious what levels of access customers are expecting today from their bank branches, you know, whether that's just sort of in general or more recently because of the last two years of changes to how we interact with physical spaces uh, and how are branches responding to those expectations with tech investments. Yeah, so that's a, that is a kind of a, a good final why to the list as yeah. well, right, is that, um, Customers have always, especially with ATMs, they've been ubiquitous for a long time now. So um, they get banking self-service. And forever, ever since the ATM was invented, the big thing that it did was it said, okay, 24-hour access. Right. Um, you didn't have to be there between nine and six or whatever the bank's hours were if you needed to get money or you needed to give them your money or deposit a check or the kind of the basics. And that still holds true. Um, but you're right. One of the things that the last two years have taught us is that it's that access um, is important for a number of reasons, right? Access from a from the standpoint of if there is an issue that causes the branch to close, you've still got access. So a little bit of that resiliency play. But more importantly, I think there it it's access is a form of customer expectation at this point because 
pretty much every vertical was forced to have some kind of access that didn't require uh, in-person interaction for a, a long like for a couple months it was like really strict no in-person interaction but you still had to provide access to your business and customers now kind of expect that well how I want to do business is the important part so I should have access to that all the time and online banking as I kind of said earlier too really does a great job of that for all the things that don't require physical fulfillment but when you get into that physical fulfillment need um, how do you uh, make a customer feel like all those capabilities are all still there. And it's, it's, it's not two totally separate channels, but it's all part of one way you meet the customer with your online and your physical fulfillment, self-service capabilities, kind of in a cohesive unit that it makes it feel like it's all part of the same experience. Yeah, very fair, very fair. And I think centering the elevation of customer access and the customer experience, again, is gonna help inform all of these other big picture whys and strategies. Sure. So, yeah, good and point. There, there's, there's, a, there's a pretty, businesses of all kinds, but especially banks are, are, are pretty good at also drawing the line from customer loyalty to real hard dollar value yeah, too, right? right? Cause it costs a lot of money to get a new customer. Retaining a customer is a lot less expensive. So um, you want to retain those customers and driving that customer loyalty through things like giving them the access that they expect because that's how they want to do business uh, is something that you that complements your operational efficiency part of your business case to really kind of bring home that value and really make it clear that investments like that are, are going to pay off. Definitely. I'd have to agree. Love it. Well, let's go ahead and jump in then into some of the specific tools that are part of this self-service ecosystem or that are benefiting from self-service upgrades or implementations. And I want you, I guess, in your answers to try to weigh some of the following. So how does this tool play a role in the larger self-service ecosystem, right? Because it's just one piece of the puzzle. Two, uh, where is this being implemented in some of the most innovative ways in the industry today? And then three, how is this freeing up branches to try new strategies for customer engagement? So we'll start with kind of the easy one that we've already talked on, but ATMs, right? ATMs are, are really one of the one of the core areas where self-service is uh, being innovated upon, where it is being launched uh, you know, in ways that can then open up the branch for new models. So I'm curious, again, how you see uh, self-service and ATMs playing a a piece of the puzzle in a larger ecosystem, how's it being implemented in an innovative way, and what's been the net effect? Yeah, so ATMs are really kind of the workhorse. Yeah. They're, they're the, the machinery that really kind of makes it possible to not have to use, you know, human factor and manual labor to mm -hmm. do a lot of those basic fulfillment tasks. And the, the, so that's the, the part they play is they actually can do, they, they're actually the, the physicality of the, the the last mile, so to speak. You know, take the money, hand the money over, sort it, count it, store it, take the check and image it, and then have the portal into the broader part of the bank for doing those transactions. Right. Um, now, it, and when I think of ATMs, I kind of, you know, group all of the kind of that, the, those physical devices together and you know you get a branch that'll maybe called ITMs, the interactive teller machines or whatever that's they're all kind of ATMs. But I go back to the point I made before, 
Some of them are traditional looking ATMs and they're what customers expect in that drive up lane or poking out of the wall of their branch. And yeah. some of them aren't, they don't look like traditional ATMs. They're, they've got a different prom dress on. They sit inside the branch and serve more as a financial kiosk. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's the same guts, right? It's the same mechanisms inside that do that kind of, you know, the cash sorting and storing and the check sorting and storing and, sure. and imaging and customer authentication with card readers and pin pads and and customer experience with a touchscreen. Mm. So it's all kind of one family of devices. Um, they're different flavors, um, different names, but all kind of one family of those physical devices that are used to um, be that last mile. Now, the, yeah. the most innovative ones are the ones that are putting the prettiest prom dresses on them that make them look like they're something, you know, the, the much uh, more futuristic, right? They yeah. make it look like it is a financial services kiosk. They make mm. it look like it's a bank, not like it's an ATM. And that's where you really start to get your differentiated customer experiences. It's where you really start to get your, um, you know, customer loyalty at it. And it's really where you start to get your customer uptake, which then drives your operational efficiencies. Yeah. Now, an expansion of that is uh, you know, ATMs are also sort of a piece of the puzzle of core integrations of self-service. And you brought this up earlier where self-service ends up being the core model of a branch and the customer interacts with the branch knowing that these self-service tools are really the entire point of why they're there and what makes the experience beneficial for them. So talk to me a little bit about how you're seeing um, I guess, core integrations of self-service technologies, again, being just a piece of the puzzle, maybe in this sense, validating the surrounding ecosystem of other pieces of tech, and then where are you seeing some cool innovation there? Yeah, so core integration, uh, really like integrating your ATMs actually to your banking core is yeah. really kind of the, the nitrous boost, so to speak, mm. of, of driving that self-service technology, right? ATMs without it, they allow you to do your basic transactions on your checking and your savings account. Sure. Um, when you take that ATM and now integrate it into your core banking system, mm. um, now you can open up the entirety of the customer's relationship to their interaction at that ATM. Hmm. Similar, and and that, that's really kind of where you get to the point where that ATM also feels like an extension of your online banking. Because when you log into your online banking or your mobile banking app, you see all your entirety of your relationship with the bank. Um, but you, you don't on a traditional ATM, you just see checking and savings. So when you can open that door to the entirety of the relationship, now the first thing you get is it feels like the extension of that holistic experience. Right. And then the next thing you get is that now all of that stuff can be transacted on if it requires physical fulfillment. Right. You need to take out a cash advance on your home equity line of credit. You can do that at an ATM now when you've integrated it into your core, or you need to pay your car loan bill in cash. You can do that now at 11 o'clock at night on your way home from work. You had a late night at work and you couldn't get into uh, a bank branch on time, but you can still make that payment and you can make it in cash if you want to make it in cash. Right. Um, so it opens up a whole lot of possibilities and really kind of gets you to the point where your transaction set, the transactions that customers traditionally walk into a branch to have to fulfill, you get up to the 90, 95% of those transactions can be done right. at an ATM, financial kiosk, whatever you want to call it, because of the core integration capabilities that allow you to transact on pretty much every part of the relationship with the branch. Right. So now where you're getting the most innovative uptake there is when banks are really kind of using that to its 
fullest extent. They're sure. really not just doing it, but then going out and really educating their customers about this is the new capability that we're bringing to you. And this is how you can bake. You can still come into the branch, but when you come in, you can use these devices and it really kind of opens up everything you need. And on just like on your um, online banking. And oh, by the way, if you're after hours or you don't even want to come in, you just want to drive through the drive-through because you got a child in the car seat or you got a dog in the back of the car. Yeah. You can do that too. And you can do everything you need to do um, at your convenience, where you need to do it when yeah. you need that physical fulfillment. Maybe another more exciting um, interaction for the end user in the banking experience uh, and another sort of validation of asynchronous processes can be seen with video teller technologies. And uh, you know, it's, it's a, an innovative way to create touch points that are very interactive, but that still lean into self-service and that still, still lean into, excuse me, that flexible customer experience and the, you know, the ability for the customer to sort of self-define how they interact with their bank branch. So how are you seeing video teller technologies playing a role in this larger ecosystem? Well, so yeah, video teller technology is, is a pretty interesting case. It's, it's also been around for a few years and it's kind of evolved over time as well. Sure. And, and kind of the, some of the, the best ways in which that's used now is less about opening up a, a video channel and into a, from between an employee and a customer and driving an entire transaction that way where it's the same as had they walked into a branch to do it. It's just that they're in different rooms, but more about being assisted service, not fully kind of video service where you have to call in a bank employee to do a portion of the task that might be a little out of the ordinary. Yeah. So for example, traditionally ATMs also have kind of daily withdrawal limits as a fraud preventative measure. You can take out up to $500 per day sure. uh, from your account. Any more than that, they, they, that's a kind of mitigating factor for uh, card theft and that kind of stuff. Right. But if you have a customer, if you have a video teller with assisted service hookup, that customer walks up to an ATM and asks to, to withdraw $700. Um, well, $700 all, all of a sudden sets off a, a bit of an alarm in the video area where it says, okay, this customer needs help. Instead of a non-video enabled ATM, which would just deny the transaction, right. um, you can pull in a video teller that says, oh, I see you need a little help, Mr. Lippman. How can I help you with right. that? Um, oh, I see you asked to withdraw $700. I need an additional ID verification. Right. Can you just kind of show me your driver's license or, well, I just need to, you know, ask you a security question or right. whatever the model is. Sure. Um, and then that employee either says, oh, no, you're not who you say you are. I'm not going to authorize a transaction or they validate that you are who you are. And they say, okay, I'm going to validate the transaction. Check mark. It's validated. Thank you very much. Have a great day. And they're off the video and on to help the next customer. And that customer then finishes the transaction with the ATM in a self-service mode. Yeah. Um, so you, you, all the stuff that again was relatively easy, straightforward and automated, initial authentication, counting the money, um, providing the money to the customer can all still happen through that self-service means. And the one step in the process that needed a little help, that's the one where you come in, you do add the value with your employee at that yeah. step in the transaction and they step right back out again. So that's where, um, that's, that's where it's kind of evolved to as efficient as possible. And that's kind of where you see um, the most innovative use of it. And it's it's the one where you're gonna then really be able to drive value out of it. Because now if they're only coming in for parts of that transaction, you can have a team of video tellers, whether they're centrally located or whether they're dispersed, it doesn't matter because video connection technology and queuing technology is pretty easy to configure that way. They, uh, you know, one teller can support 15 or 20 machines during right. their shift. 
Right. Um, and it can be super efficient then to provide that even more step up in self-service because now you can provide larger withdrawal amounts. You can provide immediate access to deposited a deposited check by doing an, an initial verification. You can provide right. check cashing, uh, a lot of different things in a uh, in a very efficient manner. Yeah, and it, I love that you bring up the the impact on operations. And you know, you would think, oh, video teller integration means now we have to staff more people. Now there has to be another another investment in you know a labor resource to elevate this experience. But to your point, because they're relatively short, quick, straightforward interactions, you can't have one person stationed for various interactive machines and experiences for the end user. Uh, and that feels like, again, an investment that focuses, how do we elevate the customer experience, but how do we do so with efficiency and cost savings and ROI in mind? Uh, and so that's that's really exciting. I'm curious to see how that continues to find new use cases to remote but elevated experiences for self-service. Yep. Yeah. Um, the last point, you know, in this kind of uh, breakdown of different tools I want to intersect with you is cash recycling. We talked about this in the last episode, but I'm curious how you see cash recycling, which, you know, the end user doesn't really feel that much. It's more of an operational investment that really does impact, uh, you know, the bank professional, bank teller's ability to, to flow through the day with a little more ease. How does that intersect with self-service and, um, you know, where are you seeing that tool get put to best use in ways that, you know, maybe can be felt through the customer experience? Yeah, so you're, you're right. It's primarily an operational efficiency right. thing, right? And it does, you know, pull those tasks off of the employee's plates. Right. So um, customers feel it in a couple of ways. It, it that's a, it's a big operations efficiency economy driver, um, but still customers feel it. One, as just as you described, actually, you described it really well in that because that employee now kind of floats through their day, yeah. not having to worry about whether they counted right or whether they're gonna get reprimanded because their drawer was a little bit off that day right. or, or whether things aren't in balance or just having to spend the time to actually kind of, they're spending their day focusing on ensuring that the customer's needs are met when they've walked in the door. Right. Um, so that is a is a pretty impactful experience on the customer. That's a little harder to quantify numbers wise, but it's sure. it's a it's also a change in the way that you interact with your customers, and it's a change in the way then you again your branch model and how you how you operate it. Um, but it's it's felt by the customer in that kind of service style way. And, yeah. and they feel that they're getting their needs met when they walk in and not just being, you know, uh, another, you know, widget that goes by when they come. Right. Or uh, honestly, too, reducing potential friction, right? It's almost a proactive investment in the customer experience. The last thing you want is to be a customer. You go up to your ATM, it's maybe after hours, you need that cash desperately. You go to pull it out and sorry, we're out of that bill or something, right? right. And the fact that cash recycling is um, is a, an investment that is proving operationally efficient can, I think, to your point, trickle into the customer experience. And so um, I'm curious to see if those strategies continue to evolve. Too. Yeah, and, and the denomination thing is also another great point. When you, when you are recycling inside your ATMs, it really makes it a lot easier to allow those self-service devices to uh, have all the denominations in it. Yeah. And typically, ATMs have had 20s, you know, yeah. 
and only 20s in it because that was that it was still manually intensive to load them and reconcile all that stuff. So one one type of bill is is much simpler um, when the machine is recycling. Well, it's taking care of all those bills inside it, um, so it's a lot easier to add those uh, add that capability. And and it's when when I when we first did it when I was driving a project that did it, it really shocked me how excited customers were that they could do that. It, it seemed like such a simple thing, but the kind of the kind of the moment of joy that customers had when they discovered that they were able to do that was felt a little bit out of proportion in my mind until then as you watch it more and more, it's like, oh, that's utility. It's, you yeah. know, it's uh, ease of doing business. It's something that, you know, delights the customer. That's it really kind of makes it easier for them to not have to break a 20 if they want to go right. get a pack of gum or whatever. Um, so it, that that's also an important part of the customer experience. And then the, the kind of the other way that customers feel it is around access, um, persistent access to those self-service channels too. Because yeah. if you're recycling money inside those devices, then you're refilling them less often. So there's less downtime associated right. with those devices and they're accessible more often to customers. So you're less likely to walk up to it while it's having to be reloaded and have that moment of, oh, I can't use it because it's out of service. So yeah. um, that's also a pretty impactful um, customer service issue. And it can also be an operational issue too, because there, you can you can do the math on, well, for every hour that the machine's down, that's this many transactions that now you have to service in the old traditional manual way um, because customers walk into the branch so that can even become part of your business case yeah and I what, what I really hear is I feel like it's it's one of those investments that if it's working right it impacts a customer experience in really tangible ways but the customer can't really even tell right it's one of those invisible right. elevate excuse me elevations to the yeah. customer experience because you know when it works right it just means that there's less issues and that is always a positive. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good insight, actually. It, it, it is something that the customer doesn't know is happening, yeah. but they feel an improvement in their overall experience right. um, because that technology is there. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Bill, I think that just about wraps up our podcast for the day. I really appreciate you joining us back in studio again. The last question I've got for you is really more of just a, a Hyosung question. I'm curious, you know, we talk all these big picture trends, we talk the tools and technologies, but you know, as folks look to elevate their self-service technologies and innovate in their branch models, why Hyosung? Right? Hyosung isn't the only player in this space. There are other uh, you know, big names in the space. So what do you feel Hyosung is analyzing differently about these trends? Or how are you aiming to stay one step ahead? And how does that improve um, you know, the overall relationship between you and your clients? Uh, yeah, thank, thank you for that. It's, yeah. um, a lot of those things that we talked about are really kind of fairly recent innovations. Fair. Um, many of them were things that, that we really kind of led the charge on in the U.S. in the, in the kind of self-service space and the banking space. We've been selling and deploying and installing and, and integrating uh, cash recycling ATMs for about six, seven, eight years now. Yeah. So, um, so one part of it is we've got the experience around that product set to really kind of help customers down that path. Because when, when a bank is making an investment, um, they're making an investment to add new technology into their environment, and they've got to go then go down that path to actually integrate it. Right. It's a path we've been down multiple times. So you know, the, the what, for all the technology, cash recycling, especially since we've been doing it for a few years now, for six, seven years now, it's um, it, it's kind of like well, we know the map, we know how to get down that road, right. and that's it's also part of the excitement of doing that work is 
helping customers identify that road and then go down that road with them as partners. Yeah. The, the video thing is similar, right? The, the technology that we develop does allow that jump in, be efficient, do the task, jump back out as opposed to the start at the beginning and have to be there with the entirety of the transaction, which makes it a lot, uh, a lot, more, a lot more time consuming for the, the teller on the other end of that video. Yeah. And you know, the, that core integration capability that I was talking about is really kind of something that we really pioneered in the beginning uh, of kind of going down that route as well. Um, and just like with recycling, we've done it not just dozens, but well over a hundred times now. Right. And we kind of know the map and can really help partner with our customers to, to drive down that road and drive down that road efficiently and effectively so that you get to your destination in a pretty quick amount of time and can actually get on with using those tools to help transform your business. Yeah. And, you know, we're probably going to need to do a follow-up episode that really digs into Hyosung's strategies yeah. for success um, because you mentioned a lot of great insights there that I'm just like itching to follow up on, but I think we've reached the limit of this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and just cap it there and I'll, I'll lock you in for a third episode right. where we break that down. But till then, Bill, thank you so much for your time. It's really always a pleasure getting to chat and getting to source your perspectives on self-service technologies, on big picture trends and changes to uh, banking and banking models and tech. Uh, and again, more importantly, centering the why, right? The big picture strategies, why this isn't just an investment in something new and flashy, but it's a reflection of banks wanting to elevate the customer experience and center flexibility in that experience. And I think with that centered, you know, we're going to continue to see some great innovations here. So thank you again to Bill Buddy. He's Vice President of Banking Strategy and Solutions for Hyosung. And Bill, if folks want to find out more about some of Hyosung's technologies, maybe just source you for some thought leadership or just get in touch, how can they do so? Well, uh, our website's a great point of access, uh, heosungamericas.com. Um, th there's a lot of information on there. Uh, you kind of mentioned not just the product information, but also insights, blog posts, and, and now that we've started this uh, you know, video podcast, that as yep. well. And, uh, but in addition to that, there's some contact mechanisms in there to get in touch with, uh, with us at Heosung, and we could get you in touch with you know, the right contact for your needs, whether it's me or someone else. Yeah. Um, we're, we're all there ready to help. Love it. Bill Buddy, thank you again for your time. It's really been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. You're always welcome in studio. So thanks. Love it. And thank you everyone for listening to and watching another episode of Inspired Banking, a Hyosung podcast. If you like what you heard and saw today and you'd like to access some previous episodes, you want to make sure you don't miss out on future conversations, or you just want to tap into Hyosung's technologies and thought leadership in the banking space, then make sure you're heading to our website, hyosungamericas.com. Again, hyosungamericas, with an S at the end, .com. And also subscribe to Inspired Banking on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Inspired Banking.